Hey designer, Kate Bendewald here. Do you know about Designers Oasis and the template shop? I'm so excited to share with you the new eDesign toolkit with everything you need to confidently offer a luxury eDesign experience for your clients. Let's be honest, eDesign has inherent pitfalls, like can you actually trust your client's measurements and how do you charge for your eDesign services? I'll give you a hint, I charge the exact same rate as I do for full service clients. The eDesign toolkit covers all of this. In the toolkit, you'll receive my own lawyer-vetted legal agreement for eDesign services, an $800 value, hello, a take-and-tweak explanation of eDesign services that you can use on your website or when you're talking to interested clients. Also included is a detailed overview of our eDesign workflow. You can use it as is or customize it with your own ideas. Perhaps my favorite part of the toolkit is the fully customizable and brandable client homework kit that you can send your client with instructions on how to measure, how to take inventory of existing items, and more. You guys, you have to make this as easy on your clients as possible, and this toolkit has everything you need to do just that. It is this process and this toolkit, which is exactly why I'm able to charge top dollar for this luxury e-design service, and you can too. And as a bonus, you'll get a recording of the live training we did a few months ago, where I go into detail on how I provide my clients a seamless e-design experience. All right, head over to designersoasis.com forward slash shop right now to pick up the e-design toolkit. And exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can get 10% off with the code eDesign10. Don't worry if you're driving, we'll link it in the show notes. Again, that's designersoasis.com and use the code eDesign10. All right, now on to the show. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design businesses and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. This is episode 44 with Jenny Carlson from Financials for Creatives. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kate. Hi, Leslie. Jenny is a certified money coach, founder of Financials for Creatives, and creator of the Money Compass deck. She teaches creative women entrepreneurs how to befriend finance. After six years as a professional photographer photographing pets and their people, Jenny realized that being a creative with an MBA uniquely qualified her to help women entrepreneurs transform their relationship with money. She founded Financials for Creatives to offer a holistic coaching program that combines practical, emotional, behavioral, and spiritual tools to help women gain confidence and know-how to manage the ebbs and flows of being an entrepreneur. I have personally worked with Jenny, and she is such a special person in my life. Stay tuned because at the end, she actually will pull a card from her Money Compass deck. And let's just say that the conversations we had around that moment were eye-opening. So I hope you enjoy this very special episode. Hi, we're so happy to have you here. Kate has been bragging about you for months and months. So I am really, really excited to hear what you have to share today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Uh, well, thanks for saying yes. Um, selfishly, I wanted you on this show because it's been about six or seven months since uh, we've worked together. And while I do see you on the gram occasionally, it's just not the same as getting to interact. So I'm glad you're here. Um, so we're in season four of the podcast and we're focusing on money related topics. So you are obviously top of mind when we started, um, planning this season. And so, um, as I mentioned in the intro, you're the founder of financials for creatives, where you help women entrepreneurs transform their relationship with money. And so real quick for our listeners, I have personally worked with Jenny for about a year on my business and personal finances. And I can't say enough about my time with her helping me transform my own relationship with money. Um, Jenny, you're a huge reason. Uh, number one, why we're back in Denver. Um, that was a goal of ours. But the financial piece of making it work all felt very overwhelming. And number two, helping me really launch Designers Oasis and helping me understand how the financials of that would work. And you really break it all down into bite-sized logical steps. So it doesn't feel so daunting. So a heartfelt thanks again to you for your kind, no-nonsense wisdom. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you for doing the work. Oh, well, this is what I'm talking about, guys, with just the level of graciousness that, Jenny, you bring to the table. And when it comes to talking about money, we know... Um, that especially as creatives, that there's can sometimes be a unique relationship with money. So I want to talk about that. At first, I think it's so fascinating, your journey from a pet photographer to a money coach. Can you tell us a little bit more about when you realized that this was your calling and how you made that transition? Sure. Um, well, in the beginning, I started my career right out of college in cell biology, looking at cells and microscopes and making videos and um, working with different researchers in, in that field, looking at biological events. And I ended up doing a part-time MBA program while working full-time and realized that I did not want to end up in a corporate environment. <laughs> Why and not? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I, I kind of, uh, I picked up a camera on the side, kind of as a sanity outlet, and started photographing pets and their people. And it, it was something that really fit my personality. I would much rather photograph six dogs sitting in front of a camera than a whole <laughs> wedding party. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so important that we find the niche that really works with our own energy. Mm -hmm. And three years into my photography business, I left my full-time job to do photography. But I soon realized after making that jump that there was still this analytical side that I was missing. And women in my entrepreneurial network started coming to me and asking, how did you make the jump? Can you help me figure it out. So we started meeting for one-off sessions and looking at their numbers. And like a couple of months later, my friends were leaving their jobs. And I was like, ooh, this is really what I'm meant to do. So that's how I then eventually transitioned kind of out of photography and into coaching full-time. And I love it because I understand what it's like to have a creative business, but I get to do the analytical side. 
I love it. It makes so much sense. And I, um, having worked with you, do feel like you are 100% in your zone. And this is a true a true calling. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you do. Um, so what makes your work so unique, I think, is the holistic approach to money coaching that incorporates, as you say, practical, emotional, behavioral, and spiritual tools. Can we talk for a minute about the spiritual side of being a money coach? It's been my experience that money and spirituality are rarely tied together. Um, so why was this important for you and how do you incorporate spirituality into your work? I look at uh, spirituality as a way to connect with our intuition, to really learn how to listen to ourselves. And that's really a key cornerstone in working with women and building empowerment and financial autonomy. Because when you're able to tune out the noise and listen to yourself, it is much easier to then recognize what is the right next step. And how are you defining spirituality in this case? I'm curious to dive more into that because I know that is a unique aspect of your work. So, like, is this particularly like involved with a religion or just this idea of intuition or guidance? Or what does that look like for you? And how do you teach on that? I look at it more from the lens of just um, the energy of the universe and being in connection with that. There are so many aspects that we don't understand and it's important to recognize that we don't have to do it alone but Mm. to be open to signs and possibilities when we kind of put stuff out there that we want to happen and I I got my hands in the air saying I'm preaching. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, preach it, Jenny. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I look at it a lot in terms of energy and that everything is energy, both what we take in and what we send out. So we have to be mindful of that and to be open to it. And there are then different tools that we can use for that, whether it's using tarot or oracle cards or things like that and gratitude like there's so many different aspects where we can kind of tie it in with spirituality but it it really comes back to listening to yourself and and being open i love it and i i feel like no matter where you are in your spiritual or faith journey you can take these same principles and apply them um from wherever you're you're coming to because you know, I believe that your spirituality and your faith is so personal, um, but the principles that you talk about feel very universal to me. So I yes. love that. Yeah. Um, can, so I want to talk about your money type and um, for just a minute. On your website, you have a quiz um, helping entrepreneurs discover their predominant money type. So I want to know more about this. Can you tell us what I I don't know if you can tell us this or not, but what the types are and how your understanding of your money type can help you with your finances and in business. Sure. So it all kind of starts with um, money blocks. And Mm -hmm. money blocks are these subconscious beliefs that we carry that create a narrative that we're not necessarily aware of because they are unconscious. And they get built up from our childhood and through our 
family interaction, going to school, getting our first job, starting a business, being in relationships, and things like that. So all of that compounds into a story and a narrative that then results in blocks at different times. And the quiz that I have on my website was developed by Deborah Price at the Money Coaching Institute. Mm -hmm. And it constitutes of eight different archetypes. And these archetypes are kind of to be looked at as symbols of how we behave with money. It's not our personality. It's patterns that we've picked up. And so there are two main archetypes that we want to cultivate that are the positive ones, and that's the warrior and the magician. And the warrior is the practical side. It's the goal-oriented, disciplined and discerning, practical aspect of ourselves that we want to kind of cultivate, but also be the part that we, when we step out of bed, we step out as a warrior, whether it's in our business or in our life. But a warrior can become too strong too, where they rely completely on themselves. So that's kind of where the magician comes in. The magician is very generous, very trusting, very compassionate, and believes that there's always this more flow of money that is always coming. So you want to have both of those active. And then there's another archetype called the creator artist. And as creative entrepreneurs, we want to have a little sprinkle of that where we have internal motivation for why we create the work we do and to really tune in to the, the creative side. But if the, that archetype becomes too strong, then it really turns into this love-hate relationship with money where you feel conflicted about charging and that you have to make money in order to live and operate your business. Like, why can't you just do the art that you want to do? So it's important to have just a little bit of that one, otherwise it becomes a sabotage pattern. But then there are also these main saboteurs that you want to identify as part of that quiz. And those involves the innocent, the victim, the martyr, the fool, and the tyrant. And the innocent tends to be very common among women in terms of feeling very anxious about money and wanting to kind of just put the head in the sand instead of dealing with it. And I like working with that archetype because what is generally needed is guidance. So finding ways to overcome that fear and lack of knowing what kind of systems that you can set up and what mindset blocks are in the way. The victim tends to kind of hold on to a story and mm -hmm. benefiting from that somehow. So learning how to let that story go for a more empowering one. The martyr tends to put other people ahead of themselves. So caring for others before they care for themselves. And that can be very damaging long-term. The fool is a very common one. And the fool tends to be very restless and undisciplined and 
spent without looking what's actually in the bank account. And it is a little bit of a trickster too, because sometimes it can almost masquerade as the warrior and saying like, but this is a great uh, investment, but it hasn't actually done the due diligence. It just wants it now. So that's where you can kind of identify that. And finally, the tyrant is the archetype to kind of keep an eye on because it can really lead to burnout. It's where you can become really critical and judgmental towards yourself, but it can also be that you're critical and judgmental towards others. And it's kind of driven by this fear that there's never enough. So you just keep striving and being really controlling and critical. That is so fascinating. (laughs) And I, I have it. to say, I've been, I, I was listening to you talk about the first two strong ones, and I did take your quiz, Jenny, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Warrior and Magician were really low on my list, and I will be <laughs> totally transparent. Well, I don't know. I, t- I listened to that, and I'm like, I bet she's a warrior. <laughs> you know what my top, my biggest one was, Kate? Jenny's favorite. I'm the innocent. I just need a little oh. guidance. I need a little teaching. And I know that. And it's, I, I read that, and I was like, no, I'm not. That's right. I was like, no, deep down, I. that's, yeah. So it kind of like, it hurt a little to take that quiz and to have my eyes mm-hmm. open. But I think it's really important to know these things so that you can make improvements and you can work with the right people to help deal with those subconscious money issues. And Jenny, I'm curious to know, um, you know, Kate's an interior designer, obviously so am I, and so is the majority of our audience. Are there common money blocks you see in this profession or related to other creative careers? Like, is there kind of something for whatever reason seems to be consistent with people who have a certain profession or just, you know, way of working in the world? I I would look at it in terms of common denominators that I see, and most common would be the innocent or the fool as the two biggest saboteurs, and the, the, they are very common. And I want to also point out that the quiz only gives a baseline. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you can go and take it, and it gives you an idea of where you are in your relationship with money, not who you are, which means that it can change. I like that. So it's not necessarily about identity, but it's identifying characteristics and traits and then learning how to, I guess, in a lot of ways for the the less positive archetypes to figure out how to improve or move past them. Is that kind of the goal? Yeah. So in, in in the work that I do... We start with taking the quiz and kind of getting a temperature check on what's going on. But then you have to really look at the money story going from childhood until today and identify, are there times where the warrior was strong, but it got suppressed? Or did something happen in childhood that really affected the way that you operate with money today? So when you gain that awareness... And you identify where the pattern came from. A lot of times they're generational. So they continue until someone decides to work on their money story to rewrite it. And when when you have that kind of knowledge of both the, the origin and what the patterns are, then you're suddenly realizing the possibility to let them go and to change them into a more empowering state. So then we create an action plan that is very holistic. 
And that's really the only time when you should start doing practical stuff. Like I used to jump straight into budgets and spreadsheets and how to read profit and loss reports and things like that. But the resistance that came up in working with creatives made me realize that there was something more to it that needed to be identified. Because if you're running into resistance, it's not going to stick. So I liken it to a black box. And when you look at what the behaviors are in that black box, then it's a lot easier to realize what those sabotage patterns are so that you can stay the course when you start to do the heavy lifting and building your new financial muscles. I'm vigorously nodding my head over here because (laughs) I've done this work with Jenny and, um, you know, I still have to keep um, tabs on on these different archetypes that you talk about. Um, And I'll be very transparent here with our our listeners. So um, I, generally speaking, didn't, I never struggled with making money in my business, but where I struggled with was managing it for a number of reasons. And very early on, one of the exercises that you had me do that was so powerful was um, journaling and writing out my money story. Of course, I did this during quiet time from my very, very, very earliest memory of money. And any anything that happened throughout my life, something, whether it's something I did or that happened to me or experienced or saw whatever it was, if it was related to money, I wrote about it from for my entire life. And it was a dramatically eye-opening experience. And I started to recognize patterns. And um, it began to help me understand, well, it would make sense why I would ignore money during these times because X, Y, or Z happened. And it just, it started to make sense for me why I had developed some of the habits and patterns that I had and gave me the ability to start to be more aware of them. And that awareness is just, it's its like an AA, they say the first step is admitting, <laughs> you know, it's just having an awareness and being able to say, okay, this is where that's coming from. But another part of that exercise was also identifying times where I was a warrior with money um, or even just a warrior in general. So for example, getting through college, getting into college, I had zero support, zero money, no guidance, nobody that gave two cents, but I did it. I figured it out. I went to the offices. I talked to people and that was a warrior coming up in me. And I was so grateful for you acknowledging that for me, because it's one of my most proud, it's one of my proudest accomplishments in life. Um, and so I, I just can't say enough about the work, um, that, took place and how it's helped me um, become more aware of these habits and beginning to, to break them. So uh, you, you told me early on, like we're, we'll get to the spreadsheets. <laughs> we'll get to the PLs because I wanted to just dive right in. Like we've got some other really important work to do first and I, I get it. It's hard. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, it, it, uh, but it was, it was the best investment I ever could have made for myself and my business and my family. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I might tear it up. Is. Okay, moving on before anybody gets emotional <laughs> over here. It, um, it is deep, deep work. And it really is. you have to kind of be ready for it. Have you found 
people that you've worked with that just were resistant to doing the work at all? It just felt too hard. I think that once someone says yes to doing the work, they they've done enough internal reflection to recognize that they need help in order to shift it and that they can't do it alone. Um, At that point they're ready, but that's why you never know when someone will become a client. It can take a year from the first interaction or two years Mm -hmm. and it's the you do, that's where the trust comes in too that um you nurture those relationships and when the time is right then they will jump into the work i think that's an important lesson for our audience when it comes to getting clients in in interior design um i've had many clients some who ended up being just phenomenal to work with took you know, years or months to, to nurture that. Of course, that's not doing like super deep, soulful, <laughs> soul searching type work, but it's um, the point is that it, it's your intention. You're putting it out there. You're um, staying connected. So yeah, it's kind of, the, um, it's kind of the farming versus hunting mm. mentality. Uh, okay. Can you talk about that a little bit um, more? So, Elaborate on that. <laughs> So farming, I, I grew up on a farm. Um, we ha- used to have dairy cows and we still have potatoes. And there are different seasons. And like you have to have patience and you have to do certain things in different seasons. So like you plant the seeds and that comes to like working in a bu- in our businesses too, in coaching. Like you, you put the seeds out and... You don't know necessarily when you will harvest them, but you have to do these different activities. But hunting has a whole different energy to it. And I don't like that type of energy. It feels more like a a chase and it can kind of become this attachment to money and needing it. And it's really important to remember that we have to be detached from money. That when we can stay detached, it's much easier for it to actually come into our life. That's so fascinating <laughs> and so hard to do. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I get it. I was like, no, I don't. How how do you how do you actually like how can you focus on money and your money story and all this stuff, but also detach yourself from it? That sounds. I mean, maybe it's simpler than I'm making it out to be, but I don't. I'm struggling with like the tactical of that. It seems so big. You can kind of read your own energy in terms of that, whether when you're sending an email or reaching out to someone, like if you check in with yourself, does it feel like you have an attachment to the outcome? Like a desperation almost when you're sending things? Exactly. Then you kind of recognize like, okay, I got to step step back a bit. Yeah, play hard to get with the money. Don't be so desperate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a couple days before texting. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so how well, so one of my questions is how do you identify money blocks? But you kind of just touched on that a little bit. You're you're really tuning into how you feel physically, it sounds like. Both physically 
Also in terms of what thoughts come up and the way that you speak about money. And it can be kind of like, do you believe that you have to work really hard to deserve money? Or mm. do you feel like you Ooh, have to care for one. others first yeah. and, and have that martyr archetype? Or do you feel restless in your business or in your personal life? And that's coming through both your thoughts and your language. Or do you feel really powerless? So both paying attention to the thoughts and the language can give a lot of clues in terms of what's blocking. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay, so once you have sort of tuned in and you feel like you kind of know where your money blocks are coming from, what's what's the next step once you realize what these blocks are? So... We kind of touched on that, but um, once you have identified them, that's when we would look at the money story and identify what needs to shift. And then you start to work on the practical and behavioral and emotional and the spiritual work in, in, in the action plan. And it's, yeah, it's just important to identify what the root cause is. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's, I'm feeling very uh, nostalgic to our work <laughs> together. <laughs> Are money blocks always about money? No. The, the interesting thing is that the way that they show up in money can also show up in how your relationship with time is or your relationship with other people. So if you're constantly overgiving your time, that's where you need to then look at that relationship so to create more boundaries because we can overgive because we don't feel enough like it it, it boils down to these root beliefs so the the money blocks are kind of the branches but the the root of that tree is where the ultimately the work has to happen and that's either this feeling of not being enough or I will be rejected if I do this. Or maybe I don't deserve abundance. But it could also be that no one actually modeled what a good relationship with money looked like. So if you haven't seen it, how can you then create it for yourself? Yeah, I found it's been tricky to discover some of my money blocks because for me, and I'm assuming others too, they're just things that are so normal to you. Like you don't even think of them. You don't even think True. of your story. It's just, this is how it is. And it's, you know, when you spend time to do journaling exercises and working with a coach like you, Jenny, and really digging into that deep stuff down there, you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be this way. Like this normal is not everyone's normal. And Kate, when you said earlier, you don't have any trouble making money. I was like, sister, we need to talk because I feel like that's where I struggle. I, I can manage it, but I'm having a hard time getting it. And I feel like we have very different views and I guess archetypes when it comes to money. So that's so fascinating to know that there's probably work for all of us to do that we don't even know needs to be done so that we can improve. Yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, money touches all aspects of life and it's not something that you work on once and then let it go. 
Do you oh man, it's a, it's, a con- <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant work, and as your life shifts, then new stories come up and new challenges, and so it's always an opportunity to to reflect and and keep evolving. This is true, people. I'll tell you, it's true. <laughs> it's just it's a it's like a relationship with a a spouse or a partner, you know, um, in a way it's, it always needs work or your children. Um, so I constantly feel like I never have enough time and you just helped me kind of, I feel like I should do some work on that too. And especially now, because I don't have full-time childcare and I'm trying to run three businesses and, be a mom and spend more time with them, which, you know, was always a goal of mine, but I find myself always feeling like it's time for the nanny to go. I'm like, Oh, I have so much more work to do. But then when I put it down and I go spend time with my girls, I'm rejuvenated again, but it still lingers in the back of my head. Like, I just wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to say to that? Part of it is, um, really cultivating strong boundaries Mm. and recognizing that you are enough and what enough is because running several businesses, then it it can feel really hard to like do enough. Like you could always do more in each day, but what is enough so that you can Mm -hmm. feel enough Mm -hmm. and also be mindful of what your core values are. Like, why do you do the work that you do and show up every day? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jenny, that's good stuff. I love it. Okay, so I am really excited to share with our audience um, your newly released Oracle deck called the Money Compass Deck. And I I know that you were working on this when I was working with you. And it, I've, I feel like I've seen this little baby grow into this, like, Thing that's real and so can you tell us more about the um, money compass deck um, and what it is and can we pull a card from the deck Ooh, yeah. i'm intrigued <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right. yeah i, I shuffled the, the cards ahead of time so that Yay! i'd be ready <laughs> <laughs> i thought you'd never ask kate yeah. and I, kate i've <laughs> never done like i don't know much about i know of them but i really don't know anything about deck so i mean like i want to i want to hear this this is this yeah. is intriguing yeah. i've not personally had much experience with tarot but i do love oracle and i don't i don't know if i could explain the difference um but the tarot in a sense works with both these um the main life lessons and themes in life that might make it too simplified, but they're just how to read energy throughout life in communication and money and emotions and motion. Um, And so there's a place for tarot and then there's a place for oracle decks. Oracle decks can come in a, a lot of different flavors depending on the creator. And it might be that you have decks with animals or angels or adventures or crystals or you know it really depends on what the intention is behind the deck 
And I've always had this dream of creating a practical tool to connect with money because money is energy and it's neutral because all energy is neutral. But then we, we put it into physical form so that we could make transactions. And on top of money, then we ended up adding our emotions and our emotions can often be very negative towards money and be judgmental towards it or just feeling like there's never enough and not having a very good relationship with it. So my intention in creating the deck was to have something tangible because we don't really use coins and bills all that much anymore. We used <laughs> like we used to use our fingerprint. Now we don't even need that. We use our face. And so there's this big disconnect to money. And so now through the cards, it's a way to come into relationship with money and recognizing that it can be a partner and a collaborator. And when you start to look at money as a neutral entity, it's a much easier um, situation to to look at it as something positive. So you can ask money what it needs from you in order to thrive, mm-hmm. or you can ask what you need to do to to make that relationship stronger. So then the idea of pulling an oracle card is to answer a specific question related to money, like to tune in to sort of divine guidance or that energetic something-something that's going to yeah. help you go somewhere with that? Ooh, I like Yeah. So the way that you ask question is really important. Like, you don't want to ask a why question, like, <laughs> why are you leaving me? Or why is what I do never enough? That's kind True. of... That, I mean, that's where coaching comes in to, sure. to dive deeper into those. So because every card in the deck is an action that you can then do something with, you want to ask either a how or a what question. Mm-hmm. That was a, I remember really, I, I struggled with asking the right kinds of questions at first, Jenny, and I think you really helped me with that. I don't know you that played I... a very important role in creating the deck. Oh, well, that's an honor. <laughs> and then I, I, um, when I first started developing it, I, I picked the cards and I started to use it with clients because I wanted to see whether my hypothesis was true, that uh-huh. this was something that you could benefit from having basically a money coach in your pocket. Yeah. And as I was writing the guidebook... I would pull cards and whatever came up in session, I would scribble down and it would go in the guidebook. And then we made sure that it was really looked at from this uh, holistic body, mind, spirit lens. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. All right. I, um, do we, do you want us to each ask a question and have a pull? Okay. Okay. I'm going to let Leslie go first. Oh, wow. I I was looking for you for an (laughs) example. Okay. I'm going to use what Jenny taught me. I'm going to learn. I'll be a quick student here. Okay, this is kind of going piggybacking on what I said earlier about, you know, wishing I could get more money in the door. But how can I get more ideal clients to start working with me now? Is that a good question? I've never done this before. Okay. That's a very good question. (laughs) 
I'm just gonna cut the deck a bit. So I feel like I wanna do that. And Jenny, do you sort of like tune into any energy when you're pulling a card? Like what's your system for actually getting the right one? Is there something so generally, that you do? I would ask for the question and then I would shuffle the cards. I would tap on the deck a little bit to be like, hey, this is a question or like an answer for Leslie and to to just kind of prime it so that it knows who the card is for. I like that. So you're kind of trusting some intuitive sense as well to guide you to the right card when you're reading for someone. Okay. All right. So if I remember the question correctly, it was how can you attract more ideal clients? And get them to work with me. And And to say yes. Income party started. Yes. To say yes, exactly. (laughs) And the card that we got was track. And um, since this is a podcast, we can't really see the cards, but um, it's delineating a point and tracking that point um, in different layers. So and if, if you want to take a picture of like, it, you can go to moneycompassdeck.com. But they have a very minimalistic Scandinavian uh, vibe to them because that was really important to me. So track that kind of comes in with the innocent archetype that we were talking about and identifying ways to to recognize what you're doing or not doing what's going well i'm gonna pull up from the guidebook so we can get some wisdom and i'm curious leslie what comes up for you when you heard track my first thought when i saw the beautiful simple design it looked like almost like a running track i was like i am not running no ma'am that is not going to (laughs) happen but i'm guessing that's not what track i was like track and field no like horror stories from elementary school yeah i'm not sure what i track like am i on the right track walking a track tracking things that I'm doing. Like, I don't know if it's all of that or some of that. I guess maybe I'm not on the right track to get clients right now. Maybe there's something I can improve for that. (laughs) Well, um, track also means um, record, trace, and investigate. And the deck comes with this guidebook that looks at each card from a, a body, mind, spirit perspective. So body being the, the practical system side, the mind being mindset and behavior, and spirit really being about soul and being connected to your true work. So the reading in the guidebook for track says, get really clear on where you stand, where you're headed, what you want when you want it, where you were a year, a month, or a day ago, what is working, what isn't working, does it still light you up, how have you been kinder to yourself lately, in what ways has your relationship with money improved since you began focusing on it, to, the, to get to the end destination is to know where you are in relation to it so that you know when you have arrived. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I I feel like the that last sentence is kind of the the gist of it. Like knowing what it is that you're moving towards so that you know when you have arrived. 
can, can I ask a question here? Because I, I know Leslie really well. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh my gosh, Leslie tracks everything. She tracks how I many glasses of water. <laughs> she tracks how many glasses of water she has. Like visually, she tracks like every single potential client or con colleague or, or cohort or whoever might be in her, her world. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, and she, she tracks things, uh-huh. but maybe the, are we tracking the right things? And like, to me, that's, I'm seeing like, okay, that's tracking who she interacts with and the people and the, the um, kind of relationship and how many discovery calls does she have that actually converts to clients and where are those leads coming from? But maybe, and I do the same thing a little bit more loosely, but are we, are we looking at it wrong? Are we tracking the wrong things sometimes or not the wrong things, but is there something else we should be tracking? I'm curious. um, Whether you track what is going well. Mm. I do. Okay. So Kate is referring to my super nerdy spreadsheet where I have like every client, if I had a consultation call with them, the referral source, so I know how they found me. And then I grade it. I grade the project or client A, B, C, D, which you can probably guess A clients. I want more of D clients. Go away. Don't ever call me again. So I do have a lot of data around that. And I know where my you know top referral sources are, how people find me. And, but maybe I'm not actually utilizing it as well as I could be. That's interesting. Like, do you, do you feel like you tap into gratitude? I, so I, I also track, I do daily sort of journaling and getting ready for my day. I plan out like my five biggest priorities for the day and my goals and habits I'm working on. And then I also do gratitude. I do five things every morning that I'm grateful for and I've talked about this on a recent episode too. And I also just asked the question like, what's today God? And just sort of tune into whatever might be there that I can maybe think about or focus on. So yes, but maybe there's a better or different way to do that as well. I would just look at it in terms of if you feel gratitude and abundance on a deep level when you're recording what's going well or what you have received, whether it's whether you received an inquiry or a new client or a compliment or, you know, there are a lot of different ways to look at it, but we have to not just do it because we're supposed to. Uh, as I was part just of a thinking list. that I'm like, maybe it's just part of my daily checklist. And I should maybe <laughs> be more present when I'm actually doing it. Instead of like, chick, did that, take it off the list and move on with my day. That's very yeah. interesting to look at it that way. Because like sometimes I like recording gratitude doesn't have to be on a page. Sometimes I do it when I'm out walking my dog and I'll think of the wonderful clients I get to work with or a conversation that I've had or that an invoice was paid and to just be happy to see that in the inbox. (laughs) And when I tap into that feeling, sometimes money just appears on top of the grass where we're walking. And I'm going to come walk with you sometime. That sounds marvelous. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a big but to it though, because if I go for this, a, a similar walk and I'm like, okay, let's see how much money I can find. I don't find mm. anything. Mm. So it has to be that energy of really tapping into gratitude and abundance and to feel it on a core level. That's the, that's the ticket there. It's, it, it, 
It has to be at your core. Oh my gosh. So good, Jenny. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was a I'm going to take I'm going to take the same thing and apply it to gratitude for time and the time that I have and and see if that I can experience a shift there as well. So good. Kate, what's, your, what's question? your question? Kate. Um okay. I had a question. What was it? <laughs> I got so zoned into what you guys were talking about. Okay. What do I need to do? today to improve my relationship with money. Perfect. Ah. <laughs> I wish I could actually see Jenny's hands like tapping the card. We are we are on video watching each other, but I can only <laughs> see her face. So I'm like, and Jenny, magic if, going you want, on. if you wanted to text me just a phone uh a snapshot of the cards that you pull for me and her, we can share that on the, the blog post. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So your question was, what can I do today to strengthen my relationship with money? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. The card is breathe. Oh. And it's, um, oh, oh my it's gosh, that graphic. a picture of lungs. It is. The graphics are superb, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, I I worked with Caitlin Kessler throughout this project, and she did an amazing job with um, creating the artwork to really fit my vibe. And mm-hmm. so it, it's fun. I've been working with the deck with my own little chicken scratches on them for so long <laughs> that it, it's really magical to now like pull the actual cards and use them. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's pretty magical. If you can just imagine real quick for the listeners, the the graphics sort of match her angelic voice. Just going to say that. Oh, (laughs) that's very sweet. (laughs) All right. What is, what is, I mean, okay, breathe. (sighs) I feel like it means to slow down. The, there's probably time to to just sit mm-hmm. and to take a deep breath. What comes up for you? I believe this is happening on air right now. <laughs> but it's good, it's good, it's so good. Well, you know, just going back to our work together years ago, I was like, I want more time with my kids. I am... I'm a workaholic. I'm a seven. I want to do all the things all the time. And if I'm not careful, I let all the things get in the way of me slowing down and spending time with my kids. Who <laughs> My seven-year-old is now old enough to tell me that I work too much. Oh. And, and they're so young and I want to be able to take advantage of this time that I have with them and just not let it pass me by. And so I realized that I need to slow down and be more present with them, you know, sitting outside in the afternoon, eating a popsicle, just doing that and not on your phone, not thinking about the next thing you need to do. Talk to them, play with them, be closer with them. And it's hard for me. I I just, I enjoy my work too, right? But um, just slowing down and being present with them. And, um, you know, we used to do yoga together, me and the girls, like doing things like that. So, um, yeah, forgive me for 
It's just one no. of those days, I suppose. The, the, I mean, this is the whole reason I created the deck, because I want you to be able to recognize what the card means for you when you ask the question, because that means that you are in tune with your own intuition and your own voice yeah. to acknowledge what's important and what you need to do. The guidebook is like the an extra where you can look for angles that you mm-hmm. may not have thought of otherwise. But at the end of the day, in order to have autonomy and to work with like big life transitions and like create the life that you want, you have to be able to listen to yourself. So you just demonstrated that beautifully. And I will just say before I have you fully read that, that thinking about my question, you know, what can I do to improve my relationship with money? And it says to breathe. And then I immediately started thinking about my kids was, um, you know, being an example to them when it comes to money and my relationship with money um, is going to require me to, to slow down and um, be more cognizant of my relationship with money so that I'm, reflecting that to them yeah you're doing very important work and rewriting a story for generations to come and recognizing that making money can be something that is filled with ease and Mm. that it doesn't have to be hard work yeah i love it all right go ahead (laughs) yeah so breathe also um in means inhale Live, infuse, inject, and utter. And the reading goes, Breathe life into your dream by taking inspired action. Oxygen is asking for support and creating more flow. Lack of oxygen creates suffocation and stagnation. Our negative patterns and limiting beliefs prevent action because they feel suffocating. If we hold on to them too long, the lack of oxygen and movement causes calcification and ultimately pain. Evaluate your thoughts and move stagnation and inaction. Inhale possibility, exhale doubt. The soul is a fluid, non-physical entity having a human experience. It is either trapped in your body or set free. What would breathing life do to your soul? Take a walk. Change the scenery, open a window, do something that uplifts your spirit. Oh my gosh. Girl, you need so that. good. <laughs> so and good. you're like in such a beautiful environment, so it's the perfect card for you. Um yeah, I there's so much there to unpack and I I love it. But inspired action is um probably the most the the loudest thing that jumped out at me in, in that whole beautiful Mm. um reading so um i'm really going to spend some time thinking about that oh my gosh (laughs) that's a good compass to use i love it okay well i could do this all day um but i want to um let's just tell our audience um how can someone learn more about the deck or how to work with you If you want to check out the deck, you can go to moneycompassdeck.com and you can also find 
me and my work at financialsforcreatives.com. And I'm Financials for Creatives on Instagram. And that's where I pretty much spend all my time. <laughs> well, we will be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. Um, this has been, this might be my favorite episode ever. This I has been it. really special, Jenny. Thank you. You have been so Thank generous. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Oh, our pleasure. <laughs> well, I've talked about you a lot. It's been it's been nice to finally get you on. And I have a feeling it might not be the last time. So um, cool. Well, thanks again, Jenny. Um, before we go, we started this little um, thing at the end of each episode, just a little kind of fun and lighter segment called One Cool Thing, where we share what's one cool thing that we've learned about or discovered this week. I'm totally putting you on the spot. So if you can't think of one cool thing that you've <laughs> learned this week, no, no pressure. Um, I always have to give this a little bit of thought, but um, I'll, I'll let you start. Is there anything exciting you've discovered this week? I, I did uh, find something and um, it will probably highlight my Swedishness, but um, <laughs> we're preparing a nursery right now and doing that during a pandemic Oh. is a a bit of a, a challenge. So one cool thing that I discovered was the ability to order furniture from IKEA online and then ah. just go and drive into their parking lot and they'll take it out to your car and you just load it and you go home. And I know how many couples complain about when they go to IKEA and uh-huh. they fight and <laughs> That's not really us. We're we're pretty grounded and we have a mission when we go. But oh my God, how wonderful to not have to go and load it and do all of that, but just drive up, get it in the car, take it home. And yeah. They should have been doing that forever. (laughs) Like you, I didn't realize that they did that. I actually had to go to Ikea the other day myself to get, uh, I wanted to get the girls an art easel and uh, it was right near where we were already going. So it's like, it'll just be quick. We'll just run in. We'll grab the one thing. <laughs> it's and never, never quick. quick. And it's last words. Well, not only that, like, and the girls really wanted this easel, but we had gone through the whole, you know, just for fun, went through the whole like showroom or whatever. And we grabbed the easel, got to the end and the line to check out because they were doing social distancing and they were sort of doing, you know, instead of a bunch of lines, one single line, it was wrapped all the way through the warehouse around the back. I was like, no. <laughs> so, and you all know what? We stood in that line and we got the easel and <laughs> we survived. That, that requires patience. It went really fast. But I mean, after all that, like I couldn't turn around. I had to get the damn thing. So <laughs> that is genius. Thank you. And if anybody has to go to Ikea, take Jenny's advice and call it in. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Kate, what's Leslie? yours? Oh. Uh, okay, well, we'll stick with the um, the uh, geographic thing. Um, the There's a new company that I discovered. I don't actually know if it's Oka or OKA, um, but it's Oka.com. And it's an American warehouse that distributes British goods. So what makes them so cool is they carry brands that typically are only available in Europe, uh, to European countries and designers. But you can find really beautiful textiles, lighting, furniture, and decor, all that embodies that beautiful spirit of effortless style, effortless British style. So things that I 
love. They're very maximalist, but all stateside, stocked stateside. That was a mouthful. So Oka.com for uh, our U.S. designers. Girl, I have never heard about that. And being a British Canadian, I'm like, yes, please. I will be going to check that out. That's so cool. I found a great, great vendor this week. And Kate, I haven't even told you about them. So they're called Salt Wolf. Salt Wolf. Salt Wolf. So excited. They're actually based in Colorado and they are a trade only furniture manufacturer. They do upholstered furniture. They've got, you know, three or four sofas, three or four sectionals. It's beautiful stuff. Here's what's amazing they've got about 10 or 12 fabrics and leathers, and it's like a four week lead time to get custom handmade American. I know. And I got their sample. They're made in North Carolina. Company's based in Colorado. And they're the sweetest people. I was emailing with them because I signed up and I got my free sample kit. And I died when I opened it. Like the fabrics are exact. I mean, I told them, I was like, if I had a hundred fabrics to choose from, these are the ones I would have chosen. I just think they're amazing. I'm so excited to start using them. They are really, they are for designers who are improving trade only ordering and products and lead times and experience and Thebomb.com. Salt Wolf. Love them. Really, really excited to start making them one of my go-to vendors. Yay. They sound like they have a really um, streamlined business model. Like instead of having a thousand silhouettes and 10,000 fabric samples, it's uh, more streamlined so they can Bingo. do that for So for of course weekend. it's more limited. Cool. They won't be for everyone, but if it's for you, I'm, I think what they're doing is great. And they're really improving on something that I think as designers, we all know is a big struggle in our industry is lead times and production and all that stuff to do with trade only. And I always love a brand that protects designers and makes it easy for us. So yay, happy to find them. And Excellent. I'm excited to check out Oka. I'm going to go look at that right now. And order an Oracle deck. I got lots to do when we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So you guys go check out Jenny's Money Compass deck at moneycompassdeck.com. Of course, we will link to it. Go take the quiz too on yeah. your website, Financials for Creatives, to learn what your dominant money type is. It's it's really eye-opening. Jenny, this has been lovely. And we're so grateful to have had the opportunity to sit and chat with you today. Thank you, Kate and Leslie. This was wonderful. Hey, designer. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback and are so grateful that you're sharing the show with your designer friends. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.